This is your host, Pete Moore, and I am pleased and humbled to announce the launch of my one and only book, Time to Win Again, 52 Takeaways from Playing and Watching Team Sports to Ensure Your Business Success. Those of you who know me personally and anyone who listens to Halo Talks for any length of time know that I am an avid sports fan and a big believer in the value of team sports. What I've seen over the past 25 years helping businesses grow, raising capital, being an entrepreneur myself, and coaching and mentoring executives in the sector, it's the lessons learned on the field perfectly apply to business. Entrepreneurs, executives, managers, you name it. Every company that's a strong company has got a good team. It's a quick read. There's awesome illustrations in there from our good friend, Mark, at Cruelty Free Cartoons. If you go to integritysq.com, enter your email address, and we will send you information on the book and the Entrepreneur's Survival Kit as well. Be great. Take names. Go Halo. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC on location with native consultant from Dallas, Texas, Hensley. She is a guru in the boutique space, and we are going to learn what the challenges are and how she's helping people succeed and thrive in this new normal. So welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So why don't you give your background? You've worked with some big brands. You've, you know, built some strong companies and sales teams, and then, uh, Sounds like you've dedicated yourself to uh, to helping the uh, the independents uh, shine and roar. Yeah, exactly. So I I was one of those um, unique people that kind of knew what I wanted to do, basically out of the womb. I knew I wanted to be in fitness and was a competitive athlete, and then um, went to school for um, sport management and applied physiology here at SMU. And through this, found um, Equinox. I started at the front desk. I think I. I Candidly, I think I lied. I know I lied and, and said I was 18 and I was 17 because <laughs> um, I was just hungry to, to get in the industry. This was right before Boutique Fitness started waking up. And mm-hmm. so at the time, um, Equinox was really the pinnacle of luxury, high quality group fitness. Mm-hmm. So I was with them for seven years. I was um, one of their top sales people, top membership sales people, and then um, account managers. And then was recruited by Pure Bar at the time in 2015, 2016 to then build out their sales programming. And that was my first foray into fitness franchising and boutique fitness and really witnessing that boutique fitness owners by and large were passionate about what they did, but didn't necessarily have the business acumen to scale their businesses or remove themselves as owner operators. So I I then moved to Club Pilates um, as their national sales director. I came on at location 120. And then when I left, we were um, a little under 700. Um, Yeah. So um, the, the great thing about being there was, you know, seeing Club Pilates become exponential and then exponential, um, really using Club Pilates as the mothership and template for building out the sales infrastructure for all of their other brands. So mm-hmm. Pure Bar, Cycle Bar, Row House, so on and so forth. And then over COVID-19, I think a lot of us had revelations, but um, as I was steering, you know, 700 studios through how to not just make 
make it out alive, but continue to drive revenue through studio closure, um, mm-hmm. began to witness independent competitors just dropping like flies. So um, saw individual studio owners kind of throw stuff at the wall and see what stuck. And I knew I had the information and the wherewithal to help them come out of this, come out of this alive and mm-hmm. continue, you know, thriving. And so um, I left Exponential at the end of last October. It was always my goal to just work individually with studio owners. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I never wanted to start a business. Uh, and it's it's taken off. So we're now a team of seven. We worked with over 100 studios. And um, we really specialize in not just helping you sell your your product, right? Because every studio owner thinks we have the best workout and we have the best community. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that that's not going to make me hand over my credit card and allow you to charge 250 bucks. So really mm-hmm. helping you determine um, what problem you are solving with your clientele um, and then building a coinciding sales and marketing infrastructure that supports that and a hiring and staffing model that allows you to wear the hats that you want to own as a business owner um, instead of every hat, which is the typical for a, a sure. studio owner. Sure. So, you know, if, if we rewind and go back to Equinox, you know, what are some of the foundational building blocks that you learned there? Obviously, one of the premier yeah. companies in the space. I wouldn't say going, if you want to go to a high-end club, like it's not a hard sell for Equinox to, right. you know, get your credit card. Um, but at the same time, there's probably, you know, processes and like psychology. And so give us a little insight into what you've learned over the years and, and you know, what's kind of like transformed you into, into how you think. Totally. I, I should mention that I was passionate about fitness, but I didn't know, you know, at 17 that I was going to be in sales and I wanted to get into management and, you know, Equinox said you have to start selling memberships first. And I de- didn't want to do that. Did it kind of, you know, have whatever, and um, ended up obviously being really good at it. But through this witness that any successful fitness business, and I would go so far as to say any successful business in general operates as a sales-driven business with a conceptual overlay. So Equinox is a sales-driven business with Mm -hmm. a marketing support, right? Marketing feeds sales. And then it's the product it happens to be selling is fitness, right? That's the overlay, but it's not a fitness business with a sales component. And so from the very beginning, understanding who was our target client, how are you capturing their emotions so that it didn't matter if you were charging $100 or $400, you had them in the palm of your hand. The mm-hmm. rest of it was really just, you know, extra credit once you walked through the How door. much with Equinox, and if you go back to, to when you were there, they probably had a lot of those um, really funky ads that were yes. a little bit trendy and like it, it yes. may just stop yeah. and figure out like, well, okay, what's going on in this pictorial that they've put together or, you know, it's Equinox, it's life. It's, you know, it's not fitness. Right. So how did you kind of, how was that embraced by everyone? And did everyone buy into that? Or did some people say like, Hey, this is like, where are we going with this? Or is this too far? Or is it like shockingly, you know, poignant to the point where, okay, like this, this is working. Yeah. But it, but it doesn't seem like it it would for a long period of time, but it did. Yeah. So talk to me, talk us about that. Yeah. You know, I think fitness has gone through this evolution, especially like COVID has, has expedited it, but you know, mental health and becoming all inclusive and it's for 
how you feel instead of how you look, but that's not where fitness was even 10 years ago. And so Equinox really, I don't want to say exploited that, but um, it was highly sexualized. And I don't even think their intent was to get you to resonate with that. It was enough to pique your interest. So you're like, what is this thing all about? Let me at least try it out. And that's that's what any good fitness studio does now, right? Is you can't explain what you do and how you do it in your experience on a piece of paper, but you can get the consumer interested enough to just check you out. And then from there, that's when the real sales process happens. And I think Equinox did just that, right? Like it's not fitness, it's life. And there was someone like jumping over a fence or, you know, half naked. Like sitting half naked in like a a velvet, like oversized chair or something wearing like a crown. I don't know. I still have those images imprinted in my Dropbox brain for some reason. I I don't even know what it was, but it shocked me at the time. And I was like, Okay, I guess it's working. Like, yeah. you know, you sell the memberships that, at that price and that volume. So when you take a look at Equinox and you say, all right, these are, this is a way to, to capture someone's attention, yep. right? They never, at least in my history, I've never seen an ad for Equinox with the dollar price on it. Correct. And restoration hardware, if you go into that store, they don't have price tags on anything because you want, they want you to go into a room and say, like, feel like you live there. Like this isn't this isn't a shopping experience. This is a this is like a a lifestyle decision, yeah. right? As they say, I'm a I'm a I'm a love style company. Like you got to love me, and I'll love you, and I will provide these these awesome you know uh, upholstery yeah. and, and tapestries and everything else design. So, how do you think? How did that kind of change? Or when you go into like Pure Bar, and we were an investor in Extend Bar for a period of time. Yeah. We've got some others, and it was always about like. All right, what do we sell in the membership at? What's the price point? And and you sound what you touched on before was I'm like qualifying what somebody needs for me. Yep. And then I'll then let's talk about what that's worth to them and then what my Bingo. my price is. So talk about how you're able to kind of hold the line on that and do that with confidence because a lot of operators in this space are just like, look, let's just sell price because it's like the easiest thing for me yeah. to figure out how to do. Yeah. Um, it, I think it's it's learning to sell the intangible. So it's learning, you know, what makes Pete tick? What's his specific prerogative for walking through the door? And that's through asking you questions. It's a time-consuming process. Right. But then once I have captured that specific emotion, there's no dollar sign attached to that, right? Because right. if I can promise you confidence, if I can promise you security, if I can promise you lack of pain, and then I say, how much would you pay for that? $250 sounds like nothing, right? Exactly. That's what, you know, You know, I joke around that, you know, Planet Fitness and great, their business model works, okay? But it costs less to join a Planet Fitness than, than it costs to buy a turkey wrap yeah. in Manhattan. So I'm just yeah. like, what's the price value? And also, what do you want? Like somebody said to me today, like, hey, you giving out these books? I'm like, no, I'm not giving them out. Like, you're going to pay for them because if you pay for something, then you're going to value it. And yeah. you're actually going to read it, right? You're not just going to throw it in like the exhibitor, um, you know, bag that you got, yeah. right? So... You know, Club Pilates at two hundred fifty dollars. You know, a month. Yeah. How many? How many workers does that come with? Eight uh, per month, or is it is it really unlimited? It it really depends um, on the market. I mean, obviously, a membership in Manhattan is going to be different than Scottsdale, Arizona. But by and large, I would say two fifty is probably closer to the unlimited membership rate. Right. So, why has Pilates been able to hold that price point versus other studios? Seem to you know whether they get on Class Pass or whether they you know, go on these 199 unlimiteds. And then it's like, you do the math and you're like, oh my God, it's like $7 per visit. Like this this, this engine doesn't work that way. I think I'll use Club Pilates as a specific example, but I think Pilates and even similar concepts, 
if they can prove their viability and longevity and um, the consumer understands the sustainability of a Pilates routine, right, regardless of if you take two months off and you go back into Pilates, that's going to be, I don't want to say a little easier, but you can jump back in a little bit easier than taking two months off of, you know, Barry's Bootcamp workouts. Um, So it it meets you where you are. And I think the consumer right now is looking for something that's not necessarily entry level, but can be customized and, you know, personalized to what specifically they're looking for. And, And Pilates has always been able to meld into that. I want to take a minute and tell our audience about two awesome workout recovery products I've been using for the last 18 months from HigherDose.com, leader in infrared technology for athletes like all of us are. We're an investor in the company. That's not why I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this because it works. You got an infrared sauna blanket. I hop in there. I'll listen to some podcasts, burn 800 calories, get a mad detox. And a PEMF, which is a pulsed electromagnetic field crystal mat that I lay on and I recalibrate my cells to the normalized level of the earth. If you got somebody you like and you're looking for a pretty awesome gift, they will love it. You could use this code HALO75, get $75 off and you will not be disappointed. HigherDose.com, promo code HALO75. And now let's get back to our regularly scheduled program. So jumping into your consulting business, and I'll I'll give an analogy first. Sometimes some people come to us and say, hey, I want to go raise money. Yeah. You know, and then we do the work and we're like, you're not ready to raise money. Do you quality, you have a hundred studios that you work with. Obviously... I think I know you already. You want to help everyone succeed. Yeah. And no challenge is, is too insurmountable, right? So yeah. I'm going to do everything. So do you take on every client or do you say, hey, look, I looked at your income statement. Like, you got to fix your rent line because, like, I can't do anything because your rent's, like, double what it should be. Um, or, like, this location doesn't have the right visibility. So as much as I can help you, and, yeah. and I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Uh, and my team of seven could really, like, do the best we can. Like, this isn't a business that's going to work. Yeah. And I don't want you to be disappointed. So how yeah. do you think about either qualifying your own clients or telling people, like, hey, cut your losses, go open up another location, or just, like, this, I use this term, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. Now you got a lot of experience. Now yeah. go do something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, good question. Loaded question. So I'll, I'll mention first that uh, the 100, is, 100 studios is over our, we've been, quote, operating for 11 months. So at any given time, we're, de- we're definitely not working with 100 studios. I don't think it's, it's not a cookie cutter recipe, right? And mm-hmm. so how I work with a studio or how we work with a studio with 50 spin bikes who's brand new to market is going to be very different from a 12 reformer studio that's been in the market for three years and mm-hmm. has 300 existing studios. And what's your overhead? What's your rent, right? What do you want to be taking in? All of that's going to, I don't want to say indicate or dictate, quote, whether or not we can take you on because we typically can, but it's more like what homework needs to be done, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you don't have a functioning website or you don't have a logo or you don't have a brand identity, 
then we don't have anything to sell. I can, we can make templates, we can make a manual, we can make scripts, but none of that's going to work if there's no foundational message that we have, right? right. right? Or if you say, I want to open a studio, but you haven't even looked at spaces for a lease. Again, I can't, I can't sell air. So it's, it's not necessarily we can't work with you, but typically if, if it's premature, we might give some homework to do prior or in tandem with our coaching so that it is as effective as it can be. Gotcha. So what are some of the, um, you know, top three frustrations that people have that, that you solve? Um, I know they're, uh, let me try and be gentle here. They, they need to compete on price and they need to compete on um, being on a class pass or a studio hop or a Groupon or something because their competitors are and they feel like that's what they need to do to get their name out there. And mm-hmm. then it's like a treadmill. Once they're on there, they don't understand how to get off. Yeah. Um, and that can be cannibalizing their own membership base. So I would say that's not the overarching issue, but that's definitely a, a crutch we try to look to pull out at some point, right? Um, let's, st- let's stick with that one for because yeah. obviously this ClassPass mind-body deal just got announced yep. today. You know, ClassPass, the original business plan was to say to the studios, hey, let me get your excess inventory. You got two or three spots. Totally. And I will, uh, I'll help you monetize that and that hopefully I'll, that'll turn into a lead that turns into a member. And then things got off the rails like you're talking about yeah. where so many studios now had 80% of their members come from yep. ClassPass. They still have to pay the rent in the operations. They're getting like 50% off their 10-pack or whatever the, the math is. And the income statement doesn't work, you yeah. know, when you're doing that kind of volume and you're not getting that price per visit. So how have you basically coached people through and say, look, I got to wean you off of this? Yeah. And how does that work? Or do you just pull the Band-Aid off? Typically, we don't pull the Band-Aid off because that's like the, pulling the rug out from under. Like that's if that's your soul or 80% of where you're getting income, uh, that's not fair, right? right. Um, but I think it's getting them to understand that in order to reclaim your business, you can't be held hostage by another company who could change their terms and conditions at any point, right? And so it's understanding that we're going to go, instead of trying to convert those on ClassPass, right? Because ClassPassers tend to want to stay on ClassPass. It's going for a clientele that isn't yet on ClassPass and getting them to purchase a membership Mm -hmm. and then getting to that point where you have enough of that momentum financially coming in that you can afford to wean yourself off of ClassPass. Mm -hmm. And are... I don't know what the terms and conditions are. I mean, look, we we like what ClassPass is doing because they're bringing in hundreds of thousands of people that would never even step foot in into yeah. the studio space. So that's great. And I, I love what they're doing. But they kind of started off as Switzerland and then they turned into like, I'm Walmart. You're like, I'm buying like a you know, product on my shelf and yeah. I'm going to get it for the least price. And I'm, that's how their business model works. When you try to make money instead of burning capital, yeah. you got to get your inventory cost down. But when you take a look at, at what they're doing, is there a, a path towards really using ClassPass as a lead generator, as like an excess inventory, you know, sales force, and then have someone like you come in and say, look, this is, this is how you take a ClassPass member and turn them into a member. A hundred percent. And is that, is that like a playbook that you have or is like each one's customized, I'm assuming, but talk, talk us through that. Yeah. So, I mean, when we look at each client, we'll look at where they're getting their leads today, um, what the quality of those leads looks like, what the conversion of those leads looks like. And we'll look at class pass based on digital based 
versus, you know, member referrals and the numbers kind of paint a picture themselves, right? If they mm -hmm. see that we've historically converted three or four class passers, then we're going to get higher ROI focusing on elsewhere. But there is such a high number of class passers that um, it is diversifying the messaging that you are coming at them with, right? Because they don't want to be pitched a membership. They like the variety of class right. pass. But then also understanding, you know, if in the future there's an opportunity to, per to perhaps limit the usage of your studio on ClassPass, right? Because if I can essentially mimic a quote trial that a lead would receive on ClassPass, and then I can upsell that ClassPasser to say, you like what you got, right? In the one or two classes you took this month, now let's do this twice a week. That makes you a candidate for X membership. I think that's where the opportunity is instead of kind of haphazardly trying to pluck at class passers and sell them on your product because that's what every fitness studio thinks they're going to do. Right. So in, I don't I don't remember the name of this, but you will. In Dallas, there there's a, like a, a regional class pass. Studio hop. Studio hop. So is is do you see more like fractions of or factions of studios to come together and maybe you could talk about like what XPass is doing or was putting together? I'm assuming you had some your hand in that as well <laughs> on the, you know, moving people around in in the same system. Um, and do you see like in a, and in another out analogies and like in the movie industry, God bless them, um, they basically took all the screens and they and instead of them each selling advertising, they basically took like the top five studio companies basically like dumped all their screens into a public company yeah. called like Cinevision or something. And then basically they own, they own that relationship now. Yeah. So how do you see this evolving and how optimistic are you about, you know, like a class, an X pass or like a 10 studios coming together and saying, Hey, we'll kind of create our own little, you know, movement around the, the system. I am optimistic. I think as long as those multi-conglomerate entities like an XPass can keep studio owners at the forefront of who they're trying to benefit, then this can be beneficial. Um, I remember one of the Club Pilates owners that we worked with, um, he also owned a cycle, cycle bar and he piecemealed kind of a dual membership. And mm -hmm. I was like, God, what's, that's such a good idea. And it could be done at the independent studio level, right? Like if I have a neighboring yoga studio and I'm a cycling studio, that's, an incredible benefit for my members yeah. to be able to sell like a dual cycling and yoga because you do get to the point ideally if you're if you're a high functioning um, profitable studio where you don't want your members to come every single day so to be able to say hey on your off days you can go to X right. studio and we have a partnership with them um, I think that's where we will see I don't want to say the the independent studio industry move but they'll need to come together in that regard to be able to compete with the X passes and the class passes and the studio hops without, you know, bleeding themselves dry. Right. So going back to one, one thing that you said before, when I started this industry 20 years ago, one of the big marketing tools was before and after pictures. Yeah. And actually those speak a thousand words, right? Yeah. I want to look like that. And you can, you have a path to, to get me to those types of results. And then things just kind of got based on price then things maybe just got a little weird. Like you didn't know what people were advertising and yeah. like what their goal was. Maybe they're just trying to drive traffic. So what, what do you, what's like the basic building blocks of these people want to get results. They want to change their life, whether it's mental, physical, what have you, and get down to like the DNA of like what, what's making that, that purchase decision, why they walk in here. Like, I don't think a lot of people qualify 
what somebody wants. And you kind of touched upon that. I just want you to expand on that because I think it's really important mm -hmm. that I don't want to just sell your membership. I want to know what's, what's going on in your mind right now. What can I help you with? Totally. Totally. And I think um, it's, it's like I use, unfortunately, like either the sorority analogy or the football analogy. Like the Ravens do the same thing as the Niners do the same thing as the Chiefs, right? But like, why do you, why are you loyal to one team versus the other? And it's because you somehow resonate with that community, right? So they're not selling you football. They're selling you like, these are like-minded individuals who will surround you and get behind you and you can cheer with. And I think that's, that's where we have opportunity as fitness studio owners is to meet our our lead or our client where they are and show them you don't have to try to be part of this community you always already are you right. already relate with us without doing anything differently and if you can break down those barriers because fitness does have this connotation of being everything you said right image centric and price driven i think if we can just focus on relatability and the emotion that comes out of that that's when this whole sales process becomes a hell of a lot easier. Yep, I gotcha. So in closing here, um, you, know, you, got any, you got any good business quotes or any kind of life quotes that you like to uh, to think about or tell people or you got a list somewhere in your phone no, maybe? No, I, um, I think it's cliche, but this industry is so saturated that fitness owners are clamoring to make it evident why, you know, their yoga studio is better than the yoga studio across the street. And so um, I think just focusing on selling the problem you solve and not the product you have. So what's your why, not what's your product? Got it. Awesome. Well, thanks for everything you're doing. Um, you're helping a lot of people get through this, uh, this uh, crazy time, but I feel like we're on the tail end and I think we're going to come back stronger. So Look forward to working with you, and thanks for coming on Halo Talks. Thank you, Pete. Awesome.